This is the 3D Pod, your number one source for 3D printing news, analysis, and insight from 3dprint.com. Now, here are your hosts, Joris Peels and Maxwell Bogue. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Joris Peels, the editor-in-chief of 3dprint.com. I'm here today with Maxwell Vogue. Hi, everyone. Lovely to be here, as always. Max and uh, I are going to talk to you a little bit today. We don't have a guest. We're going to instead talk about our industry. We're going to talk about people that inspire us and people that uh, in 3D printing, that work in 3D printing, that are really inspirations to us. So, Max, starting off with you, like, who do you think, uh, who's an inspiration to you or who has been an inspiration to you? So, to me personally, actually, it's been uh, a Corey Van Sice, who is not as well known, I think, but... She specializes in different materials and discovering new applications for materials. She used to be in charge of dealing with MakerBot's plastic, and then since then has moved on and has dabbled in bioprinting as well as uh, finding new materials such as uh, waste materials from nutshells to use for uh, 3D printing materials. How about you, okay. George? Who do you want to bring up? The people that inspire me are like for different reasons. I mean, uh, I think like first Fried von Kron. Uh, Fried is like one of the founders of our industry and, and the guy that really uh, brought to life Materialize and founded Materialize. I'd like to talk about him if possible. I'd like to talk about Richard Horn, uh, who's better known as Rich Rap, who is really inspiration to me as well. And then uh, Eric de Bruyne, who's like a, one of the founders of, of Ultimaker, uh, is also inspiration. Those, those three I definitely want to discuss. And I think maybe we can come up with other people as well there's, there's a lot of people it was really difficult i was actually thinking about this earlier and it's, it's it, the wonderful thing about our industry is that, that i was thinking about it and i was really kind of coming up with too many people kind of uh i think it'd be different if we were, we were like we were working in a different industry so that's really good but those are the three i totally want to talk about and as for yourself so 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 how long has this person been interested in, in 3d printing or working in 3d printing because who oh cory van size yeah cory yeah Oh, she, uh, I mean, she was at the original MakerBot, or part of the original MakerBot team, or at least that's my understanding. Uh, I mean, we can also touch on, you know, Kai Backman for uh, Tinkercad, because I think oh. the software aspect of things are also really important. <laughs> we can always talk about Bree. <laughs> for those of you who don't know who Bree Patterson is, he's one of the that's founders funny. of MakerBot. So. Um. Uh, it, yeah, no, no one can keep a straight face when they say that one, huh? <laughs> out of out of the, the the tens of thousands of people working in the industry, <laughs> I think he's for another. But you know, it's it's, it's yeah. your it's your it's no no. It's I, list. He's for another day. We could talk about him at another time. Um, but he is one of the most well-known people out of the industry. I think just because he. <laughs> He was wired and whatnot. <laughs> so. I don't know. There is a case to be made, right? Uh, <laughs> yes, there is a case to be made. But you're right. Let's let's. We're talking about people we admire. So let's um, let's move on. <laughs> Tinkercad. So Kai. Okay. So why why is Kai an inspiration to you, really? Well, because bringing. I mean, I've always seen uh, one of the bigger issues with 3D printing as being the software and the accessibility of that software. So Tinkercad represents a great step forward in trying to simplify the ability to create 3D files uh, from scratch. Now, obviously, it's not you know, everything. It's not like it's a SolidWorks or, or any of the other 
you know, systems that are used. Um, but it's a great way to get started. So I, I find Tinkercad inspirational in that aspect of it. So I think that software is that important. I mean, I think we do keep coming back to it. It is our opinion, but maybe make the case why out of all the machine and all the other people, then uh, we really picked, uh, you know, the, the software element, let's say. Well, because I think that, I mean, the technology has been around for quite some time and accessibility has only happened, you know, uh, circa what, 2008, 2009, when yeah. its desktop printers really started coming into their own, which meant yeah. that more and more people are using them only to discover more and more people can't use them. Uh, and learning CAD is a long and slow, difficult process. So I think simplifying that as much as possible is, is beneficial for everyone. I mean, the inspiration for the three doodler is based around the fact that you don't have to use software. Okay, all right. I think I, I've got another one for you then in the same category, which uh, is Ryan Schmidt, and Ryan is the guy who made Mesh Mixer, and and for me, Tinkercad I think is a wonderful example. I think it's, it's uh, I'd like to add, and I'd like to actually like say that that's a really great choice. I mean, the idea of just being able to make 3D modeling, the, the, the moment I saw Tinkercad, the idea of being able to break down 3D modeling, this abstract task of either you know going from 2D to 3D or trying to make meshes or nerves or trying to make shapes like that, and just saying, like, hey, let's put it in, uh, like, kind of like, let's make it easy as dropping Lego blocks, but then make it virtually, and making it into a seamless interface like that, I thought that was just amazing. But another person in the same vein is Ryan Schmidt, and Ryan is a researcher, he's worked at Autodesk, he's done a bunch of stuff. And he made Mesh Mixer. And Mesh Mixer, to me, was like a really amazing tool to letting you, you know, repair 3D scans, repair files, get things printed. And it was the, uh, the tool I used the most, actually, to make my own stuff. If I'm really making my own stuff. I'm not a 3D modeler or something. I don't know CAD. So, so Mesh Mixer is a tool that can empower a person like me to make things as well. So in the same kind of area, yeah, I think that's a yeah, super awesome kind of a project. Yeah, and I think software stuff like that is what's going to make more a next generation of engineers and designers and artists take advantage of this technology called 3D printing. And uh, I think yeah, I think in software now 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 you're thinking of me like how how what are other people that that, that are that are working just in the software part? And we could probably but, split it up between the two, right? Because the software is um, one half uh, of the whole problem, and then the the hardware is its own thing. Should we touch on the rep wraps? Because I mean, I think rep wrap is another great example, just as a concept and an entity that's that's helped to push everything forward. So you'd brought up um... uh, Eric, maybe, but he was like uh, he was there more of an ultimate guy. So a little bit later in the if we're, if we're gonna, like, I, I don't want to. Now I feel really bad about missing out on people. <laughs> I know it's true. I mean, there's a lot of people in the industry, and um, it's hard to say like, oh, this person over that yeah. person. So Let's qualify it at this point and say this is not a definitive list, and we're totally gonna like forget tons of really deserving people. Uh, so we'd like to apologize to all the people that we're forgetting. <laughs> Feel free to write us. Already, no, we're gonna. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So okay, let's start with the. Well, I think I think if we're gonna go in chronological order, then I think there's two heroes of mine. These are the people that I got involved with. Well, the reason one of the reasons I got involved in 3D printing in the first place was I read a paper by Hod Lipson. Uh, in 2000, I think it's four or something, and it was a paper by Hod Lipson, and and it was about robots, and it was about robots that are 3D printed robots. So what they made is they made a robot that uh, essentially the actuators, the battery, and all that kind of stuff it was really simple. It was kind of like a little fib, right? Uh, and that was like uh, that was 3D printed, 
and 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 that's all 3D printed with the syringe extrusion, syringe extruder, and uh, and these are the guys like the horror, uh, like like that that were in charge of like the Fab at Home, and Fab at Home was like kind of a uh, it was like a three thousand dollar printer with a syringe extruder, which is much more capable, better stepper motors, a better all round device, but it just had a bit too much money in it. It was a bit too expensive, so it didn't really take off. It didn't really no. manage to find all the parts. So I think Ahad and the people that helped him, yeah, were, were really, really instrumental, I think, and then really kickstarting it before the RepRap guys even got started, let's say. The Fab at Home guys tend to get, like, really overlooked. Should we be mentioning uh, Chuck Hall? Yeah, uh, Chuck, I, I never got to met. Uh, I never got to met, uh, meet him, let's say. Uh, he, oh, yeah. he is credited as being the inventor of 3D printing, right? Yeah, exactly. So I never got to meet him, but definitely in Chuck Hall for the inventor, uh, as, as an inventor of SLA. Without SLA, you know, the whole prototyping thing wouldn't have gotten started. The whole, we wouldn't be here, like, whatever. We wouldn't be discussing this without him. I do find it, it interesting that, that a lot of people don't realize that SLA didn't start, or started in the 80s. Um, yeah. And that they've just totally unaware that this thing was happening in the background. Because it was only happening for industry, obviously. But it's still, yeah. it fascinates me. Ninety-three, ninety-one, depending on uh, how you count it, but around that age. Um, so it's, it's a bit older than people think. There's a lot more growth behind it. And if we're going to look at the, like these kind of in, uh, inventor people, yeah, then of course uh, Scott Crump was another one who invented FDM, of course, together with his wife. This foundation story is beautiful as well. The foundation story of this is that he's he's playing with like a, a pen. Or like one of those, uh, um, those uh, what are the glue pen thing? You know, one of those things. He's trying to make, and he's using the glue, a, a glue pen, gun, the glue gun to make a, a little frog for his daughter. And then he's like, "Wait a minute, we could, we could be doing this differently." <laughs> and then he's, then that's how he invented FDM. And uh, so I think that's a beautiful story as well. I think he's uh, really crucial. Then there's Carl Deckard as well, who's one of the major people behind sintering. I'm going to say it in that way because because it's a bit, sintering is a bit complicated. <laughs> Uh, um, and uh, and there's a bunch of people there, but he and that that foundation story is beautiful as well because reportedly, you know, in Star Trek, uh, Star Trek, you have the the, the replicator. The, so he's watching the Star Trek show, the original one, and he was looking at the transporter, right? And apparently, they made this illusion of this transporter. Uh, the way they made it come alive was to use sand, and they would use colored sand, and they would stack the colored sand. To, uh, to kind of like um, you know mimic the 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 the, the discombobulation and reappearance of the person, right? And so he's reading about how they did the special effect in Star Trek, right? And he's like, wait a minute, if they could we do that, do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, art imitating life, imitating art imitating life. Sorry, <laughs> Uh, and one of the oh, the MIT group, let's say, that was really crucial in, in developing the inkjet-based uh, methods. And then we're going to get into, if we try to go to all the inventor people, then it's going to be a bit complicated. I mean, there's a bunch of Ailes guys as well, like a Finnish guy, and Dr. Langer and stuff. And, and, then, and then there's a whole bunch of patent disputes that, you know. Right. Uh, uh, <laughs> I think the inventors generally of the processes are also, yeah. Uh, the people that, that, that without whom we wouldn't be here. Uh, but for me personally, yeah, it's, it's, my introduction to the industry was because of Hod Lipson and that amazing paper. So that's more the researcher, and also Evan Malone as well. 
Uh, Evan Malone did that research on that paper, and he he was the guy that wrote that paper and made that robot, which is still something that I would have expected now. That was 2004. So I would expect it so many years later that we were all printing robots at home. But that was the first time I realized how powerful this technology could be. That it couldn't only be like a, a, a polymer, you know, a prototyping technology, but it could be used for electronics and for, for changing the form factor of things and then really making like many of the things that surround us. So Evan's work really and Holland's work was really inspirational to me. All right, if we then go to, now we're going to the rep rep. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, in the beginning, I didn't think uh, uh, it was. There was. I thought it was a bit weird uh, when this Bowyer guy, Bowyer, uh, when the Boyer guy came out and he started doing this, and then you know, I, I started thinking it was like kind of a bit silly. It seemed a bit u- utopian, you know. Uh, you know, these machines printing themselves, and I also never understood it. I was like, no, it's about the machines making other stuff, not themselves, you know. <laughs> and, and, uh, oh. <laughs> and, 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 and the, when we started building these things in the beginning, it was just like they were horrible, and 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 they didn't work, and it was like it was like a trapeze thing. It was like I don't know. It was just like, and it was just, it just seemed like impossible, kind of. It seemed like a utopian vision and stuff. And then it started getting along, and I think then two people entered the thing, and I think this is where you may want to interject and and and, and make your case for Brie if you want to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. And, um, you know, because, okay, MakerBot did commercialize. We could make, maybe do Zach who could. Zach, who still has the coolest, like, like uh, Twitter account ever, if, if he's still on Twitter. Because Zach it was one of the people that really made that, that the whole uh, MakerBot thing happen. And without MakerBot, I think this, our whole industry would be much smaller as well. I think that really yeah. was, was one of the things that opened uh, everyone's mind to how big 3D printing could be. And if you just did it commercially, right? So as a marketeer, I think they were doing... And Zach is still, I think, I think, uh, a really significant person in that sense. The other guys are just like good marketing people. But and then uh, I think then also the Ultimaker guys to me are really important. Uh, if you're branching directly off of these, uh, and they really, you know, they really made a really, I think, a really great company. Really great company. I worked for them, so really great company to work for with an awesome culture. Yeah, good printers. Uh, I think I think that also worked, and that that helped get these things into people's hands and made them more, you know, like I'm a machine mode. You're more like a, an inventor person. You love tinkering on the machines. Maybe I don't. Yeah, I do. I do love work. You press play and stuff. You know, although the first machine that I ever bought personally was a machine, the, the ups, which did just that. You took it out of the box. You didn't have to put it together. It just worked because I didn't want to waste time tinkering in the machine. I wanted to waste time making things and tinkering with those things. Um, oh. uh, the ups were like, a, yeah, the parts, yeah, I think they were really good. The, the, for, for their for like time. A, yeah, for a year, <laughs> and then they'd wear out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for a year. But I think the, 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 there were thousands of them that were sold. A lot of those were sold. I mean, it was the, you couldn't be, at the time, you couldn't beat the price point. Uh, you know, reasonable oh. quality printing for like $1,500, I think it was. And, and the machine that I'd used before that was at my previous company, uh, Wowie. Um, we'd spent something like twenty-five or fifty thousand dollars on a quote-unquote desktop printer that that took up, you know, half of a bench in the R and D lab. But hey, it was a three D printer. We were very, we thought it was very cool. Even though you had to put it in a bath 
you know, to get rid of the support material and all that jazz. Um, you could you could see all the elements. It's just that it costs so much that it wasn't something that a home consumer, or a tinkerer, or a startup, or any of those people could to just go buy. The up was also that that's the first time I kind of started believing that at least just like there would be serious volume in this this desktop three D printing thing because uh, the prices were coming down and stuff. So I think that, that the up guys are definitely really uh, really instrumental. Well, who else? I mean, if we're looking just back, um, yeah, definitely the Ultimaker guys. Definitely Eric. Uh, uh, is is a huge inspiration for me as well. I think he's a really great guy, and and, and I really, you know, somebody you don't, you know, it's really proof that in some cases, if you're lucky, if you've got the right people around you, you're bright enough, you don't have to compromise on on, on, on your morals, or you don't have to compromise on 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 your culture and stuff, and still can make money and still make a really great firm. Uh, yeah, it is possible, you know. And I used to never really think of that. I used to always think that every, you know, that. You know, when money comes into play, that it always kind of goes to hell. You know? Oh, I agree. I agree. That often happens. Yeah, I've seen yeah. that happen far too many times. And the idea that they were then, you know, making that, uh, yeah, making all that stuff happen. That, that yeah, that, that to me is really important. I mean, Form Labs kind of brought the the SLA <laughs> to to the market per se in a more reasonable price point, but. No, Max is a great guy. I mean, I think, I think, I think, I think, I think Max is a, a super, super brilliant guy as well. Uh, I worked a little bit for them as well. I did some stuff for Farm Labs as well, and 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 they're all, they're, there's a lot of really bright uh, uh, people. Yeah, uh, really good people. Uh, but but Max itself is a really, really, really bright guy. A really, really brilliant guy. The thing to me that really brought Farm Labs, it's okay. The desktop SLA thing. Sure, right? The yeah. fact that they were successful, sure. The fact that they did Kickstarter, they proved that, to me that Kickstarter was a serious platform for us. Everybody woke up and like, wait a minute, you can do three million bucks and not only be a project, now you can start a company on that, you know? Yeah, although they had funding before that, but yeah. Um, yeah, also they got funding before that, of course. Yeah, but, but, but I mean, I think... But it was uh, their launch platform. It's, they, did, they did do that, and then there was that time period where, you know, there were a million people trying to make 3D printers happen on Kickstarter, and they were doing quite well, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. Heck, I was one of them. No, but before that, Kickstarter was something you did, and you kind of got lucky. It was kind of the lottery, right? Yeah, true. It's kind of proof that, like, wait a minute, you can kind of engineer this, and it could happen, and you could build a global business out of it, you know? Yeah, so that to me, and to me also, this, this very, this vision of saying, we're going to make the UI of the software. We're going to make it very uh, work really perfectly with the materials, which works really perfectly with the machine. And that, to me, it made everything really push button. I remember having the first time I had a farmhouse machine in my house. I was just like, it just worked, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Uh, I guess I just have another object, okay, and another one, and then another one. Of course, I'd stay there because I would like not like curing them and cutting off all the parts and stuff, you know, supports. Yeah. But but I still don't. <laughs> but but um, but yeah, you know, that to me was was also the promise of the industry. I think that's really um, uh, that was a huge inspiration for me as well to see that this was like a really serious thing, you know. Yeah, um, just some sort of novelty, so to speak, but that it actually has real effects and that people can really use it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, Eric from Lausanne. Eric von Lozom is also super not known. I mean, I'm literally thinking because you said that, that, that like, you know, and uh, Eric, 
it was also at Ultimaker when I was there, but but he is much. If you do know him, he's the guy that, that created not by himself, of course, because open source project. There's a lot of people, but he was really one of the, the key people uh, for Marlin. Uh, and Marlin is the firmware that powers. I don't know. Repetier probably is not used that much. Um, and I, I don't know, but most printers at the moment right now use uh, Marlin. I think still. And and by not having to develop Marlin, I think what the really interesting thing was that they let a lot of these companies, hardware companies, especially Chinese hardware companies, come into the market. I think Marlin let us all essentially develop around at least one technology stack that, that most people shared for a long time and get a, have, have, gave us all a similar kind of architecture and let a lot of software companies or companies without software experience uh, make a lot of 3D printers really brought the price down and really helped to sell hundreds of thousands of units, millions of units. I think Marlin's significance uh, is often really, really overlooked. Yeah, so Eric, and Eric is a super humble, Eric from the Psalms, a super humble Eric Gilderick as well, but a super humble, down-to-earth guy, just wants to do his thing, really brilliant guy, really opinionated, but kind of like ultimate nerd, like generation one nerd. He's just <laughs> doing it for the thing. He just, he's not the nerd plus something. Right. You know? He's not, he's not uh, trying to rule the world. He just wants to make his cool stuff. Yeah, he doesn't care. He does not care. <laughs> he really does not care. And then, also, oh, God, please don't tell him, David Bram. Uh, David is another guy. This is all Dutch people. Huh? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I noticed here you're, like, you're preferring your Dutch side. <laughs> <laughs> this big network effect of this thing. Because David is the, uh, or Daid, I guess, is the name, I think. Um, he's better known now. He's the guy that originally wrote Kira. And, uh, okay, there's a Slicer guy as well who wrote Slicer, which also is really amazing. But I've, I've been a Cura user since, um, like, yeah, it's my, for desktop, it's, it's been, like, I, I used to have Kiss Slicer before that, which was not, that was not amazing <laughs> as, as an experience. <laughs> that was not cool. And uh, and then, but Cura was the first time I was like, oh, okay. You know, on FDM, like you can change yeah. things, and you could, you had a little bit of idea of control. And before that, there was like lots of numbers and lots of settings, but you didn't really have any idea of control. It was just really like a spreadsheet. <laughs> it was like a spreadsheet of stuff, you know. Uh, but now the David, so David is, is really important. I think with the Cura, just you're making it a UI, making it simple, giving you kind of like, yeah, you know. Yeah. No. I, yeah. It's, but don't tell him. Don't tell him. Yeah, well, he, he, yeah. The chances of him listening to this top podcast are pretty small, anyway. So, uh, <laughs> no, dude, no, we're coming. We're more and more viewers every day. True. I mean, the uh, honest truth is, just there's a lot of people in this industry that have helped to make it what it is today, and it's constantly growing in terms of people and whatnot. I mean, we haven't even really touched on like bioprinting, which is still truly in its infancy, infancy um, overall. But I think there's there's so much potential in there that there's definitely going to be some probably Nobel Prize winners out of that eventually. Oh yeah, it's a, they're all jockeying for it. Have you noticed that? By the way, <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're doing like the PR people are like trying to fool us all the time, and uh, and at the same time the, they're they're riding they're jockeying for position on this and this stuff. I think also uh, Greg Mark. The guy from Mark Forge, I really like him. He's a really like a, he made a really different kind of company come to life and really kind of like made that uh, a business that, that he's bright. He just wants to solve this technical challenge. 
he does kind of combine it with you know with, with the business savvy and stuff like that just like max does it well i think and then just like coming up with this yeah, this crazy idea this the the, the car the composite technology uh, and they're just making it happen and making it actually work and now American on metal and stuff that to me is really very inspirational as well who else oh, yeah, and Freed yeah I talked about him in the beginning and Freed to me he's one of the smartest people in 3D printing uh, he's, he's he's really bright and uh, and he's done some really brilliant things I mean I think I think what's really interesting is that Freed or way back when uh, also was one of the people that realized that, that we shouldn't be making weapons and like decades ago, was already saying that he wouldn't get involved in that. Um, uh, Dr. Langer at Aos also said this and, and held to this, at least for a very long time. So I think that, that kind of thing to understand the implications of what you're doing, and to understand like, that, that this technology could be used for CMS, uh, for implantology, for dental, uh, for scanning applications, for business applications, all the stuff that Freed got right. Uh, and the fact that on the industrial side, Magix is just like, uh, an incredible tool. Uh, it's, 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 the UI is not great, <laughs> but uh, but uh, but uh, but um, but it's it's just like it just makes so much more so much possible with nesting, file repair, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's it's really really amazing. Yeah, he's, he's really important. I think, and it's like a, and he has a, co- a company with a conscience and a company that works so hard on like standardization and, and you know things like the hearing aids, things like uh, the glasses they did the tongue, the the, the eyeglasses. And a ton of different products are, that are being made possible by the software. It's just amazing. And also Alexander Oster as well. Alexander was the I, guy. I don't know who's who's. Uh, so Alexander now he's, he's he's now director of uh, additive at Autodesk, and he used to work for well another one Charlie Fruit or Charlie uh, is is his uh, own service bureau and he was the first application engineer at Aos, and he started doing his own service bureau thing kind of in the middle of nowhere and then he's really inspirational as well because he's just like this he has his own vision and he goes for it you know right uh, uh, so, so, so that, and then the fact that he started he was one of the first to start making like orthopedic implants and medical devices and all that kind of stuff and he was then looking at he had this 16 year old kid so Charlie in and of itself was a huge inspiration I think and then he had this 16 year old kid that worked for him uh, and uh, he met him at the, the, the ping pong club or something like that crazy <laughs> And uh, and uh, he invited the 16-year-old kid to write to code a online tool, right? Yeah. Uh, and this was an online online coding tool, and this became Netfab, right? And essentially, Netfab was written most of it just only by Alexander. And he wrote it by himself. So there was a weird situation that at one point uh, I was at Shapeways and we were looking at these tools to evaluate and stuff. And all of a sudden, first there was only Magix, right? Magix is ridiculously expensive. It's really, really, you know, if you're a BMW or Boeing or whatever, this right, is what you that want. Right, that makes sense, but yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not, if you're serious about additive, you have to have Magix, but it's like a tax, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but it's a good product, so why not, right? Uh, and, and, and so dropping the bucket overall, what you're going to spend anyway. But we were then, then this Charlie guy was like, oh, I'll give you a site license for the price of just like one, <laughs> one Magix license, right? <laughs> people they have a service bureau in germany and and then essentially they have this, this file checking tool and it's being coded by one dude right? <laughs> by some 16 year old kid um, yeah, used to be 16 year old but this is like years later he's, he's older uh, now right 
Yeah. All right. So so he's been working on this stuff for years. He's got a couple of guys around him this day. It's like four or five. And then we ended up going with these guys. We ended up going with <laughs> We ended up selecting them because the tool was good. Uh, and they were the the, uh, the, the, the file-fixing technology, the core of the Shapeways offering, uh, this file-fixing thing, which was written by Alexander by himself. And he's the guy who's like, yeah, another scary, smart dude who, uh, you know, I think I think proves that, like, NetFab really proved that there's, like, much more to just, you could compete with Magix. You could, you could, there uh, there is room for other products out there. There's room for other software out there. So I think that's that's really important as well. I think we could, we could go on forever yeah. because there are so many people um, that helped to make this all possible. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Also, <laughs> Of the people we, 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 we've had on the show. Yeah. Not that they're all, all of an inspiring course. Not that they feel bad. But 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 I think I think Yana as well. Uh Yana is like, you know, oh, he, yeah. he was a real designer to get involved with this business and, and he he's one of the guys that made ten thousand lamps possible and really saw a lot of stuff that other people weren't seeing like many, many years before. Yeah. And then the Scott was- Summit as well. The whole uh, who, who really made all these prosthetic solutions happen? I think those are the two guys that come to mind in that, in that sense as well. Not the others don't, but you know what I mean. It's <laughs> yeah, been shorter in the industry, I think. I think it'd be interesting to do this if, if we're, you know, still on friendly terms and that are uh, falling out or something. Do this years from now and see if, uh, see if we change uh, our opinions on this. Well, I'm sure it'll shift because some new <laughs> and crazy stuff will have hopefully have happened. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think really some of the older better. inventors and stuff like that probably remain similar. But who knows? We'll see. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I think that's yeah. a lot of people, and we've covered some. But obviously, there are people we're missing, so we apologize if we missed anyone. But we'll wrap this up for now. Um, thanks for joining us on the 3D Pod. As always, I'm your host Maxwell Bogue, and with Joris Fields, and we hope you enjoyed. Uh, listening to us today if you have any comments please feel free to reach out and let us know and feel free to share this around with uh, other friends and people that might be interested in 3d printing you've been listening to the 3d pod for more information on what you just heard or to subscribe visit www.3dprint.com or follow us at 3dprint underscore com.